So I have been teaching a series, a mini-series, on the condition of our heart. I did two teachings, part one and part two, about the condition of our heart. And here's the bottom line. I'm just going to give you the bottom line of two hours of teaching. The bottom line is that in the Bible, there are lots of promises. And in, the, in I think it's 2 Corinthians 1.20. I'm pretty sure that's the address of the scripture. It says that all of the promises of God have been fulfilled through Christ. And God says yes to them. That's good news. He says yes to his promises. But our part is to say amen. And that means, God, I agree with you. So there's all these amazing seeds in the word, and they're all filled with power. The power to heal is the same for every person that takes that seed into their heart. We just did that when we made those declarations. We were taking the seed of the word and putting it in our heart. But the difference is the condition of the heart that that seed lands in. Because the fruitfulness of the seed is dependent on the condition of the, the soil of the heart. Let me say that one more time. The, the, the production, what that seed produces, the healing that's produced is dependent on our heart. Just like when you plant seed in the ground, you want good ground to plant it in. If, a, if the ground is stony or thorny or weedy, it can choke out the life of that seed. Or if it's hard or if it doesn't get watered or nurtured or, or fertilized or whatever, it's not going to grow as well. So that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. So tonight, where I really want to go is that incubation time. The seed is sown. It's planted. We might use the word conceived because that's another analogy I like to use. We conceive the word in our heart. And then we all want to see the the harvest. And we all want to see the delivery of the promise. But there's a time span, very often, there's a time span between the time the seed is planted and the time the harvest comes. Or between the time the conception happens and the time the delivery comes. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, is that waiting time, the waiting room time, I call it. The title of this message tonight is Faith and Patient Endurance. Really going to talk about the patient endurance part of it. That's where we're going to focus tonight. So we're going to get right in there. Mark 11, verse 24. This is a beautiful scripture. I fell in love with the scripture when I was diagnosed with cancer. And God said in his word, Cindy, if you speak to that cancer and you tell it to get out, it has to go. That's Mark eleven twenty two. It says, speak to the mountain. This is a summing up of God's direction, of Jesus' direction to us about praying in faith. This is what he says. Therefore, Cindy, I say to you. Therefore, Glenn, I say to you. Therefore, Lori? I just drew a blank. Lori? Linda. Sorry. Therefore, Linda, I'm speaking to you, Jesus says. Linda, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, comma, and you will have them. Now, I want you to think for a minute in this, in this scripture that there are two parts. The first part is when you pray, Believe that you receive. That a better translation is actually believe that you've taken them. Whatever it is, the promises that you're believing for. When you pray, believe that you've taken them. That happens in the spiritual realm. You take those promises, just like we did when we read, when we read those declarations. You take them in the spiritual realm. Then there's a comma. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, that comma. That comma takes up a lot of space sometimes. That's the waiting time. But when we believe that we've taken them, the promise is you will have them. And that part is in the natural realm. In your body, in your mind, in your relationship, in your finances, whatever it is that you're seeking God for, you will, excuse me, you will have them. That's the promise in the word. 
So today what we're going to talk about is how to get from one to the other and what happens in the middle, in that midst of that time. Hebrews 6, I'm going to read two beautiful scriptures about patient endurance. The first one is Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12. I'm going to pray this for for you. But I long to see you, all of you, passionately advance until the end and you find your hope fulfilled. In other words, your prayer is answered. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or you lose your enthusiasm. But follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Notice the Bible says there's two components. Faith, faith, taking those things in the spiritual realm, and then this time of being enduring, being patient, being enduring, and then you will have those promises. And it says that we can look at the example of those who fully received And that's how they fully received. Well, if they fully received, I want to fully receive, and I want to see all of us fully receive. So what is this strong faith and patient endurance? I'm going to read another scripture. This is my favorite one that I share with people when they're in that waiting room time, and they're they're not... They're not yet seeing the answer to their promise. This is a promise that I've taken for myself, put on a card, written it out, declared it over myself, built myself up with this promise. And you can do the same thing. Listen to this. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence. That means your faith. Your your full persuasion in that promise of the word. Don't fling it away, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. So our part is to have this patient endurance as we may be bearing up under difficult circumstances so that we can carry out the will of God. I believe our part in carrying out the will of God is to believe him, to believe in his finished work. There are different scriptures where it says, this is your work, believe. It doesn't say this is your work. Okay, go to church, do this, do that, forgive everybody under the sun, repent, repent, repent. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, believe. Amen. So we're going to talk about that patient endurance. Many of you may be in the waiting room. I've got some people that I am just so praying for and believing for. Many of you are looking for Suzette. I mean, many of you know and love Suzette. Um, She's been in and out of the hospital a couple times over the last month for uh, immunotherapy. um, What do they call it? Clinical trial. And she's really, really having a hard time. She's in the middle of that bearing up under difficult circumstances without compromising. Um, She's in a lot of pain. And she's not able to drive and she's not able to sit. So I've offered to get her a ride. But she's, she's just not able to come. She wants to, but she's not able to. So I'm standing, and I know you guys are too. I'm standing in this place in agreement with God and with Suzette, believing that when she's carried out that will of God, that believing, and she is, believe me, she is not compromising the word. She is not flinging away her confidence. So the bottom line is she will receive and enjoy to the full what's promised. But please come into agreement with me. Put her on your list and just pray for her every morning or every morning, noon, and night, whenever you pray and, and, and intercede for your friends. So let's talk about some good news right now. The waiting room. I don't like to call it just a waiting room because most people really dislike waiting rooms. I'm going to call it a good news waiting room. And the reason I'm calling it a good news waiting room is because there's a whole lot of good that's going on during the waiting time. A whole lot of good. We need to read, well, first, let me back up. A lot of healing is happening. I'm going to give you an example. 
from my, my testimony of all the things that I can see that was happening, all the healing that was happening in that process. But the healing isn't always what you're, the specific thing you're seeking. The healing is in many realms, the spiritual realm, the soul realm, the emotional realm, relational realm, and physical realm. It's in many areas. And it's very important, and I'm just going to say this as your teacher, as your mentor. We need to regard this thing called time as a good thing. A wonderful part of God's plan for us. I know when I was in the midst of my journey, I had a lot of what I call divine delays. It was, I believe it was God giving me time to grow, time to build up my soul, time to build up my, my faith, time to come to know him and fall in love with him. Divine delays, God planned And it was really, really good. And in hindsight, I can see that. And even at the time, I remember saying, okay, thank you, God. I need time. I need time. I was in the middle of a battle with cancer, and I really didn't want to start treatment. I wasn't looking forward to it. So when they would put it off for a test or for another, uh, I I don't need to go into details, but there were many times when they, they, um, the, the path was changed, and I know God was doing it. In the end, I never had treatment. But those were divine delays. He was giving me divine delays. And I encourage you to keep in mind that that's a good thing. Also keep in mind that where, whatever it is that you're in the middle of a battle could have taken years to manifest whatever it is. And it might take more than a little bit of time for that thing to be completely restored and healed. I'm going to read you two, two quotes from a book by Charles Price called The Real Faith for Healing. This is an old school book. It's a really good book. Um, and that I've read both of them. And just listen to these quotes. I think they will really speak loudly. Change externally is of necessity often superseded by change internally. Transformed by the Holy Spirit in our inner person before the manifestation of that transformation is seen on the outer person. So it happens from the inside out instead of from the outside in. And here's the second quote. Often people are looking for the manifestation of God's power from the outside in when his power only operates from the inside out. So the good news is you're here at a healing meeting, and that's what you're doing. You're feeding your soul. You might have a need in the physical realm. You might have a need in the soul realm. But right now, you're feeding yourself. And that's the the preparation for the manifestation of what it is that you're seeking. So that's really good news. So what I want to share right now is uh, an example of all of the healing that I saw happen during my journey. I call it a healing journey, not a sickness. But during my healing journey, in hindsight, I can see so much healing that happened. First of all, spiritually, I didn't know Jesus personally when I was diagnosed with cancer. I had never surrendered my life to him. I wasn't saved, what the Bible calls saved. I was very religious. I was um, uh, a good person, but I had no personal relationship with God. And at the very beginning of the diagnosis, at the very beginning of my healing journey, I surrendered. And for the first time, I gave control to him. When I did that, I also started my relationship with him. I had never read the Bible. I had never had a prayer life. I didn't know what praise and worship was. All I had ever done was sing hymns in church. You know, one at the beginning, one at offering, one at communion, and one at the end. You know, you did your four hymns, and then you went home. I didn't know what praise and worship was. I had never poured my heart out in love to God. I'd never done that. So I started to grow in my relationship. That was a huge healing. If I could say the greatest miracle in my life thus far, that would be the greatest miracle. My salvation and my relationship with God. So that's the first area of healing. The second area of healing was the soul. So that was spirit healing. The second area was soul healing. 
oh my gosh, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. I was completely a different person. I was a very um, type A personality, um, uh, driven, um, stress-filled, stress-driven kind of a person. And when, when I started to just seek God, he started to make adjustments in my life. First of all, I prioritized differently. And for the first time in my life, I put God number one because he had never been number one in my life. He was important. Church was important, but it wasn't number one. And I'm saying it because I'm talking church. At that time, it wasn't about God. It was about church. So all of a sudden, God became number one in my life. And stuff started to fall into place where it should be. So my priorities were healed, prioritized, put where they belonged. Another area of my soul that was healed was um, the stress thing and the busyness thing. God helped to even that out. I remember going back to work after I was healed. So I was diagnosed in January. I worked from January until June. Then I had summer off. And then I went back the following year. It was like a different job. I still had the same intense workload. I still had the same responsibilities, but it didn't feel the same because I had given God lordship over it. I started every day with prayer. It was completely different. I didn't hold all that stress in. Everything changed. It was completely different. So that part of me changed. Another thing that changed during that season was I learned that I could not, I could choose not to worry, not to be anxious. Here I am with a death sentence. And I was able to take those thoughts captive and put them away and not let them stay in my brain and go around and around and around. I took those thoughts captive and I chose not to worry about them. I remember when I learned at that very beginning of my journey, I remember learning that worry is sin. That absolutely rocked my world. It was like, because there's a scripture that says anything that is not a faith is sin. And one of my friends said, well, that's kind of worrying if you're not in faith. So worrying is sin. And it was like, well, then I don't want to do it. I thought I was supposed to worry. I thought being a good mother meant you worried. I don't worry anymore. I choose not to worry. I won't go into the details of this story, but my daughter hiked the whole Appalachian Trail two summers ago, 2,200 miles by herself. And I didn't worry. I prayed a lot. (laughs) But I didn't worry. I let God take care of her, and he did. Her whole life was radically changed, healed in many, many ways. But I didn't worry. So that's something else I learned. And another area of this soul healing was that I went from a place of intense oppression and fear to peace. It was awesome. I had such a sweet peace that transcends all understanding. And then it went even from peace to joy. I'm in the middle of a stage four cancer diagnosis, but I went from that crazy fear to peace and then from peace to joy. Joy in the, in the Bible is confident, joyous expectation. And it took time declaring God's word and building myself up on a constant basis to get from fear to peace, to joy, to expectation, to healing. It took time to get there, but that's what happened. That was in my soul. That's soul healing. Another area of my soul healing had to do with relationships. I had a lot of relationships that I didn't realize needed healing, but God did. One of them was with my husband. Now, you know I have the best husband in the world. Did you know that? Yeah, I do. And I've always had the best husband. I've always had an amazing marriage. But for the first 23 years of our marriage, Jesus wasn't a part of it. When I received Jesus into my life, Kent saw what was happening with me. And two months later, he received Jesus into his life. And everything got way better than it had ever been before. 
And he stood by me and encouraged me and believed with me and prayed with me and prayed over me. And he still does. And now we're in ministry together. So, oh my gosh, God took what was already amazing and put it over the top amazing. So that improved. Something else that God did was healed my relationship with my sister. I have an amazing sister, two years older than me. And when we were kids, we were best friends. But when we got married, all of a sudden everything changed. And it wasn't her, it was me. Um, I won't go into a great detail. It's in that Bible study. But the bottom line is we had very strong differences of opinions when it came to parenting. And when we both became parents, that became a problem. And so I was very offended with my I won't go into detail, but I took offense and I had a deep, bitter root in my heart. But in the middle of my journey, God showed me that. And I let it go and we had this amazing reconciliation. So that was a big, huge healing in my life, in my soul. And the other huge healing was that, well, this isn't really healing. This is um, growing in my soul. All of a sudden I had different friends and it was good. I was surrounded by Men and women who loved God with all their heart and agreed with me about healing and loved to worship. And all of a sudden, I'm hanging out at church three or four nights a week and having a ball. You know, Friday night, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, I was at church every time the door was open. And I had this whole new circle of friends. So that was another area in my soul that was enriched, healed, deepened, matured, all sorts of good stuff. I'm talking right now about the waiting room time and how I was healed. And then, of course, there was the physical realm. In the physical realm, the first thing that happened was I started to just begin to get knowledge. I didn't understand it, and it wasn't in my heart. But I started to hear biblical truths that I'd never heard before, and it was good news. Then I started speaking. Do you have that little book with you I started speaking words. I started declaring these promises. And as I spoke, something happened in here. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word about Jesus. So that's what happened. It just grew in me. So I went from knowing or intellectual, you know, hearing new truths to speaking them out to believing them. And then my actions started to change. I started to act different. I started to act like it was true. I started to act like it was good news. And then came healing. But that was all a part of healing. I didn't go from somebody telling me by Jesus' stripes you were healed one day to completely healed the next It was a process, and that all happened in the waiting room. I would encourage you this week to take your your study notes home, get another piece of paper, staple it to it, and you do the same thing I did. Think about what God has been doing in your life in this season, in your healing journey, and all of the things that he has healed already. Pay attention to it. Thank him for it. Acknowledge him for it. It'll build you up, I think, and encourage you in the midst of wherever you're at in your journey. I'm going to read uh, scripture, James 1, chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. This is a word that God um, breathed into my heart. It's a rhema word for me that he just showed me is so powerful and good. It's kind of a tough love word. But it blessed me. I can't even tell you how much. God gave me this word when I was, I had had a counterattack. It was about eight years after I was healed, and I had another attack. Um, The enemy was trying to steal my healing. He gave me this word, and it built me up so much. So here it is. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials. Hmm. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. 
And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. So here I was, eight years after I was healed, and God says, this is my, this is my good news for you, Cindy. And it was like, oh, really? <laughs> so I took time to, to meditate on it. And basically what God was telling me, first of all, I want to make something very clear. It says in the scripture, to count it joy when you fall into various trials. I want to make this very clear. God does not give you the trial. That's the enemy's, uh, his job description. That's what he does, not God. The enemy is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in 2010, the enemy was attacking me. I had just said yes to God to write my second book, which is called Healed for Life, How to Keep Your Healing. After I said yes to God, that's when they found a lump in my neck. And I started through the whole test, 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 test thing, looking for cancer thing again. I didn't have it. Thank you, Jesus. I went through that journey and I was completely well. But the enemy was trying to steal my healing. I had to stand fast believing him at his word. That's when God gave me this this promise. He said, Cindy, during this time, you just watch what I'm going to do. You just watch. Be assured that through this thing, through this experience, and believe me, my faith was tested. During this time, it will produce endurance in you, leading you to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And that endurance will have its perfect result into a thorough work in you so that you may be perfect. That word means matured and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. After I went through that season, then I wrote my book. The devil messed with the wrong lady again. Again. I had all of that growing and spiritual um, uh, churning and, and movement in my soul, in my heart, that became the, the, re, the, the basis of that second book, How to Keep Your Healing. I had just gone through a season of keeping my healing. Isn't that amazing how God works? And this was his promise he gave me. So you can take that promise for you too, knowing that wherever you're at in your healing journey, God is doing some amazing things. But we, it says um, we need to let it have its perfect work in us. We need to let it help us and grow us and mature us by running to God and seeking him. So for the rest of this, this teaching, I want to talk about what do you do then? What do you do during the waiting room time? What can you do that is the, the best use of your time while you're in that incubation period. I'm going to share three things. The first one is a review from last week, but it's so important. I'm going to share it again. We need to look beyond all that will distract and fix our eyes on Jesus. This is Hebrews 12 verses one through three. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. This is written Hebrews 12 comes right after the beautiful chapter, Hebrews 11, where there's the faith hall of fame and all the people that have the super duper faith like Noah and Abraham and Sarah. And there's just one after another, this faith hall of fame with amazing people of faith who, who believed God and believed his report. And we can read that and we can be built up with that. We can read the accounts of Jesus healing in the Bible and let that stir our faith. But we can also look right here in this room and we can see mighty men and women of faith. We can see right here a cloud of witnesses. There's Pastor Tim sitting right there. There's TJ, Pastor TJ sitting right there. There's Jenny, Jennifer, Barb, Mary Lou. I mean, we can see Nathan and Kelly Clouds of witnesses right here, Lisa. I mean, everywhere I look, I see these powerhouse women and men of faith. Right here. We're here for one another. We're witnesses of Jesus in our lives too. 
So we have this cloud of witnesses. And then the Bible goes on and it says, So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and sin we so easily fall into. Those things can hinder us from our faith. That's why I address it in my Bible study and other times when we're ministering, especially one-on-one. But we're not going there tonight. This is where we're going. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. I love it. Marathon. It says we can run this marathon with passion and determination. That's enduring faith. Have any of you ever run a marathon? Me either. (laughs) And I'm not going to. That is not on my bucket list. My daughter, the same one that did the Appalachian Trail, has also run a marathon. But we can run life's marathon and do it well. We can run this marathon of the healing journey we're in and do it well. You guys are doing it well with passion, with determination. And then it goes on, and this is the nugget where I really want to stop and focus. We look away from the natural realm And we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed forth within us and who leads us for, who birthed faith within us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. So the original translation says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That word look, this is what it means. It doesn't mean to just look like I'm looking at Jenny right now. That's not what it means. It means to turn your eyes and your mind Away from all other things and fix your eyes on Jesus. That's a big difference between just looking at something. That's in your notes. To turn your eyes and your mind away from all other things and fix your eyes on Jesus. And then the Bible gives us an example. Let me find it up there. His example is this. Jesus' example is this. Because his heart, Jesus' heart, was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So what did Jesus do when he was going through the passion and all the pain and all the suffering of the cross? Where was his focus? On us. It wasn't on the cross. It wasn't on his own pain. It wasn't on the situation he had to go through. He endured so much. And his focus was on us. And that's what he's telling us to do. Instead of us focusing on the problem and all of the stuff surrounding the problem, focus on what's good. Focus on him. Focus on his finished work. Focus on all that he purchased for us. Focus on the, di- the huge divine exchange. What he took so he could exchange with us. He took sickness so we could have health. He took pain so we could walk without pain. He took sin so we could be forgiven. He took rejection so we could be accepted. He took loss so we wouldn't have to live with it. He took lack so we could have blessings he did everything 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 focus on that and then the last verse tells us basically what i just said so consider carefully how jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures when we consider jesus will be strengthened. When we consider Jesus, our faith will rise. But if we're looking at our own problem, our faith will be hindered. I want to share this beautiful um, picture that a friend shared with me several years ago, and it just really helped me to to understand this. Um, The part of us that we're really talking about is our soul, our heart, the condition of our heart, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So in just for a moment, picture... I'm going to hold out both my hands. And in my left hand, picture my Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus, and every single thing that Jesus did for us. Everything. Taking our sin into his body, absorbing the curse 
taking the stripes on his back for our healing, taking all the judgment that we all deserved, taking all the judgment so that we don't have to take the judgment. And we could go on and on and on. Meditate on that. That's Jesus, my left hand. In my right hand is Cindy and everything going on with Cindy. Put yourself in there, that position. The, the, the tribulations and trials of your life, the pain, the suffering, the issues with finances, with relationships, whatever that looks like. And in addition, in this hand, is all of the good part of your life, but it's still there. It could be busyness. In my case, it's ministry, a lot of time spent with people and phone calls and one-on-one ministry and preparing teaching, stuff like that. That's all in that hand. And the other thing that's in this hand is your works of faith, reading the Bible, praising and worshiping, praying, etc. Now, here's my point. If your eyes are on you, and even on your works of faith, then it's not on Jesus. And we can literally get to the point where we're look, focusing on our works instead of his. And that causes our faith to be hindered instead of strengthened. It's so important to take our mind off of ourselves and fix our eyes on Jesus. Because that's when our faith will grow and grow and grow and grow. Now, your works of faith help you to do that. Praising and worshiping helps you to fix your eyes on Jesus. I don't want to negate that in any way. Reading the word helps you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Declaring his promises helps you to fix your eyes on Jesus. But if it's a a legalistic thing, like saying, oh, I got to read my Bible for two chapters and I have to read my scriptures three times a day, then it becomes works instead of relationship. So... Fixing our eyes on Jesus is number one. I have a, a testimony I'm going to read to you now. God brought this to, to me this week. It was given to me in 2014 by Kathy Bandel. Many of us know her. She's on our ministry team. She's not here tonight. She couldn't be, couldn't be here tonight, so I'm going to tell her, Kathy, I shared your testimony. You weren't even here. But she wrote this, and it's all about her learning about the waiting room and, and the um, the evolution that she went through in learning how to rest in Jesus and to keep her eyes fixed on him. I think this will just speak volumes to all of us. So Kathy wrote this in 2014. She said, my waiting room time has really changed and evolved from the time I first started attending your classes until now. She had been in our classes for one year at that time. When she came to this healing meeting, she had been diagnosed with a recurrence of lymphoma. She had gone through a battle with lymphoma 10 years earlier, and she had a recurrence of that disease. And these are her next words. I can't believe it's already been a year. What an amazing journey it's been. Praise God. Now, the bottom line was she still didn't have a good report at the time of this writing. But she's saying, what an amazing journey. I thought I understood what the waiting room time meant, but I really didn't get it until this past June. Something really shifted this past June after my last PET scan and doctor appointment. Although it was a good report, it was not the report I'd been declaring a perfect report that said no evidence of cancer. So it wasn't a perfect report. As I reflect on my journey, my waiting room time up until then was, yes, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus and I'm resting in the Lord. However, subconsciously or even unconsciously, I was waiting for man's report so that I could move on with my life and put cancer behind me. Without my realizing it, I put my life on hold while I was waiting for that perfect report from man. But when the shift occurred, I really got in my heart that it didn't matter what, God, what man's report said. The only report that really mattered was God's report. So I made a conscious decision to stop putting my life on hold and really live life to the fullest. I gave up the lie that I had to wait for that perfect report to fulfill my dreams and live life to the fullest. 
I started living life like I did not have cancer. I was not in denial, but I wasn't going to let any circumstances get in the way. I started doing things that I had put on hold. I started living the life of abundance that God wants each one of us to live. One of the biggest changes is that I started following my dreams and God's calling, being involved in the healing ministry. So I had invited her to join our healing ministry. She didn't yet have a full good report. That's not unusual. I've invited a lot of people to join our ministry that haven't yet had the full good report. When Holy Spirit says, this is the person I want you to ask, then that's exactly what I do. Then she says, she says, I started to pray for others on a regular basis. Get involved in certain ministries and be bold and step out in faith. I guess that boils down to the fact that I took my eyes off of me and put them on Jesus and others. Just what I just said. I did have my focus on Jesus before, but not to the extent that I do now. I started praying in a different way and spending more time in communion and relationship with God, just sitting at his feet. I studied the word even more, and I spent greater amounts of time in praise and worship and thanksgiving. I asked God to give me deeper understanding and revelations of his love for me, and I asked him for powerful experiences that would show me that. The more I asked, the more I received, and the more I confidently experienced his great love for me, That led to even greater healings, spiritually, physically, and mentally. In my prayer time now, I spend a lot more time in silence, waiting to hear from God. And the more I still and silence myself in his presence, the more I hear and receive from him. The waiting room for me is all about relationship and communion with God, feeling his peace and believing and resting in his promises because of his great love for his children and the finished work of his cross. Hallelujah. So you can hear this shift. And the, the gist of it is she changed her focus. She stopped waiting for man's report to be perfect. And she put her eyes on Jesus and his finished work and God's report. She focused on communion, her communion with God, her time with God, her relationship with God, and everything shifted. There's, I don't, I don't want to speak negatively, but there's probably something wrong in every one of us. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfectly healthy. There's probably something there. But that doesn't mean that we can't walk with knowing that God's report is our report Knowing that God wants us well in every facet of our life, living our life to the full, standing on his word every single day for whatever it is that you're believing him for, and being strong in the middle of it. That's what Kathy's doing. She's still in that place now. She still doesn't have that perfect report from from man. Is it stopping her? No. She's an amazing, powerful, you know, um, prayer warrior and minister. She just chose to make a shift. So the first area in review is that we need to um, look away from all that will distract and fix our eyes on Jesus. The second point I want to make is that there's this amazing exchange. I love the whole idea of the great exchange of Jesus. There's an amazing exchange where God gives us, in the midst of our waiting time, when we're feeling the weakest... When we're feeling the least able, he gives us strength and he gives us power. He gives us courage. He gives us bravery. And that's biblical. I'm going to give you biblical evidence. The first scripture I'm going to read, one of my favorites, is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become tired or grow weary. And there's no searching of his understanding. So the first thing God tells us in this word is that our amazing God, the one that created all of the universe, all of creation, doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. And that he never lacks understanding. He always knows what to do. He's never confused. He never says, oh no, what am I going to do now? And then it goes on to say, he gives us that piece of him. He becomes one. He is one with us. And those attributes come into us. Listen to this. 
He gives strength to the weary. And to him who has no might, he increases power. Even youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. That's referring to people without God. Even the, you know, the strongest people can get tired and weary. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, who look for, and hope in him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary, and they will walk and not grow faint. That's a promise in the word of God. God gives us strength. He gives us power. But our part is to wait. It says, but those who wait for the Lord. Now, I want to define that word wait. That word wait in the Hebrew, I just learned this. This is so cool. Is, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but it's Q-A-V-A-H. Quava, I'm going to say. Quava. And it literally means to entwine together. It, I'm going to read from my notes so I get this right. Waiting on God means binding and connecting our hearts to who God is and to his promise. It's not just sitting back and waiting passively. We have an active role. We have a very active role. And when we do that, like Kathy in her, in her testimony, when we do that, we are tying ourselves together with him. And in that context, he gives us strength and power. Isn't that good news? Can't we go to the picture that's on the next slide? He says that we will raise up close to God like an eagle, soaring. This is my eagle. I talk about my eagle. That's my eagle. That's not just any eagle. That's mine. Many of you know that God gave me the eagle as a sign of my healing. It's in my book. The story is in my book. Um, I had... um, was reading not this scripture, but the scripture of Psalm 103 that um, is talking about all of the amazing benefits of God. And it says the very end, one of, I'm going to just say the whole thing. You need to hear it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, with all that is within me, God, I bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and I forget not all of your benefits. You forgive every one of all my iniquities. You heal every one of all my diseases. You redeem my life from destruction. You crown me with loving kindness and tender mercy. And you satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. And I was declaring that word. And I stopped to talk to God. I do that a lot when I, when I um, declare his word. And I said, God, I trust you. I know you're taking really good care of me. But I could really use some confirmation. Father, you say that my youth is renewed. Will you give me a sign? You say my youth is renewed like the eagle. Show me an eagle. I asked for it and him to show me an eagle. That weekend, he didn't give me one eagle sighting. He gave me five. Five. Our God is a big, big, big God. Now, only one of them was the real eagle. The other four were um, different um, forms. I got a beautiful get well card with an eagle and a poem. I got this exact Isaiah 40 scripture I'd never read before. I found this scripture in the Bible. There was a song at church on eagle's wings. And then there was, oh, I know, when I walked into my kitchen, um, right after I had prayed, there was a co- something, I don't even know what it was, on TV. And the eagle was the whole screen. There was an eagle on the TV. And then the fifth one was my eagle. And that eagle had, is still at my cottage. I saw it two or three days ago, Sunday morning. It was right there in the tree where it perches. And I said, Cat, come here, it's my eagle. So that's my eagle. God says that we will soar like an eagle close to God. And I believe that, we're, that he's the one that's giving us the ability to do the soaring. It's his wind that's enabling us to fly and to soar above whatever the situation of life is. 
So he says, our part is to wait, to be entwined with him, and then we'll soar like eagles. Then we'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not grow faint. Here's another beautiful scripture, Psalm 27, verse 14. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. That's the same word, wait on the Lord, be entwined. Um, Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. Kelly and Nathan, that one's for you. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Both of those scriptures talk about being strong and courageous. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait patiently for the Lord. My soul expectantly waits, and in his word do I hope. Psalm 62, 5. I'm standing in absolute stillness, silent before the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my Savior, and he will not fail me. Those are beautiful words to uphold you in the midst of your journey. So the second point is that God gives you strength and power as you wait connected with him, entwined with him. He, he gives you strength. He gives you courage. He gives you bravery. He gives you power. So expect it. Take it. Receive it. Third point. What are you doing during that time? How are you using that time? We have a choice. We talked about this last week when we talked about Lisa and we talked about the other girl. We need to use our our time constructively and not destructively. Let me read the scripture. This is Galatians 6 verse 9. Don't allow yourselves to be weary or um, disheartened in planting good seeds. Now I'm going to stop right there. Don't let yourself be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. But I would also add to that, or watering those seeds, or nurturing those seeds, or miracle growing those seeds, taking care of it, weeding the garden, whatever it is. Don't get discouraged. Don't grow weary. And here's why. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Amen. If you sense that weariness and that discouragement, that disheartenment, it might be that your focus is in the wrong place. It's like a spiritual MRI. You know, we have MRIs to see what's going on in our body. A spiritual MRI is looking at your soul. And if there's that discouragement, that weariness, that that maybe even thinking about giving up, that's a sign that maybe your focus is in the wrong place. So, Pastor Tim, this is his beautiful um, um, word for us. He, t- he said this many years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He says, what you feed on the most will predominate in your life. So, what are you feeding on? That's the bottom line. Dis- <laughs> Pastor Tim says, what did I say? <laughs> I'll tell you again. This is what you said, Pastor Tim. What you feed on the most will predominate in your life. That's a Pastor Tim quote, and it's so true. So the question is, what are you feeding on? Destructive things, TV. And unless it's good TV, there's good stuff on TV. But if it's just, yeah, mindless, fruitless stuff, it's not good. Um, Social media can can suck a lot of time. I mean, I'm guilty of it. You can get on that silly Facebook and sit for a half an hour, and it's like, I just spent a half an hour here. Um, um, Games is another example. Um, Game, you know, video games and stuff like that. I want to share a little thing that happened about a month ago. I went to visit somebody in the hospital, and this person was very, very, very sick. She'd been in the hospital for weeks and weeks and weeks. And when I walked in, she was really happy to see me and um, um, said, how long can you stay? And I said, I have about an hour, you know. And the first thing she said was, do you want to play cards? And I said, with love, I said, no, no. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to pray God's word over you. I'm here to build you up. I'm here to speak truth. 
And that's what we did. But her first choice was to do something to just, you know, make her feel happy, probably, something fun. And there's nothing wrong with laughing and having fun. That's good, too. But when a prayer minister comes to spend time, probably that's not your best choice, you know. <laughs> but um, anyway, that's just an, just, those are the kinds of things that we, we see. I was using, last night I was using Mary Lou as an example because she, when her husband passed, she fought depression very, very seriously. And we have been ministering to Mary Lou for about, since Jerry passed away a couple of years, and she's getting better little by little by little. But we gave her things, important things to fill her time with because all of a sudden she had not only the grief, but she also had loneliness, being alone for the first time in a long time. So we went, Kent helped me, and we went on the uh, TV guide of some sort on the internet and found um, good TV for her to watch. Andrew Womack and, and Joel Olstein and some really good uplifting teachers. And we found what channel they were on and we found what time they were on and we typed it all on a list. And I went to her house and she's kind of like me. She doesn't know how to use a remote. I don't either. He has to be home so I can watch it. I can't even watch TV if he's not there, which is good because I don't need to anyway. And we helped her figure out how to use her TV so she could watch something fruitful and fill her time with something good. And then I made a CD with her that was all love songs from God to her. And I said, put this on and play it and do it loud and praise and worship and let God love on you. And then I got her a book about gratitude and it was about, it had a devotional. I said, do this devotional every day. And, and, and do these, these journaling exercises about what's good, you know, to shift her focus from what was bad to what is good. So there's ways that you can, you can use your time in a very positive, awesome way. If you need help with that, our ministry team would be very happy to help give you suggestions on what to do with your time. Many times when you're fighting a disease, you have time because you're home from work or whatever. Maybe you need to get better at, at not doing the, the, useless time, the useless time fillers and filling it with other things. So anyway, that is a very important thing. So constructive use of time, quality and quantity time with God and whatever that looks like. Prayer time, word time, taking communion on a frequent basis, listening to good teachers, getting podcasts, figuring out how to do podcasts so that you can listen on a consistent basis. Remember last week I told you about Yvonne who put those earbuds in her ears with good stuff, teaching, praise and worship, and healing scriptures, and she listens six to eight hours a day, filling your time with what's good. So I want to read one more scripture. This is a beautiful scripture. God is so good. God is the potter and we're the clay. Listen to this beautiful scripture. This is Jeremiah 18, verse 1 through 6. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah and to you. And this is what he said. Go down to the potter's shop and I'll speak to you there. So Jeremiah did as God told him. And he found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making didn't turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. And then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, and you can put your own name in that blank, because we're all the chosen ones of God. Cindy, Jenny, Liz, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. So here's the bottom line. God is the potter and we're the clay. We don't have to be perfect. We're not perfect. We may be broken in many ways. We may have sick parts in our body that need to be made new, whatever it is. God says he takes that brokenness and he's the one that forms it, that molds it into something beautiful. And as I was praying on the way over here, that was part of my prayer for myself and for my children, 
That that's what God does with me. That's what he does with my children. And then the vessels that we are, are beautiful vessels that are for a good purpose, that are used for an amazing purpose. And that's for every one of you. That's for you, Tess. God's taking you where you're broken, where your body's broken, where it's hurting, where it's sick, and he's the potter. And he, with such beauty, such perfection, he molds you and creates beautiful, whole, healed in spirit and in soul and in body. Amen.